Hello, this is featurist Gerd Leonhardt. These are my keynote speeches as podcasts. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. I'm a futurist. Most of you don't know what that is. I didn't know what that was until I became a futurist. Uh, I wrote a book in 2004 called The Future of Music, which became the blueprint for companies like Spotify and so on. And one day somebody called me on the phone and says, you are the futurist because you wrote a book called The Future Of. Right? So that's how I became a futurist. And my work is really not so much about predicting the future, but it's about imagination and what we call foresight. So I want to share some of, the, of that with you today. Uh, and I want to talk about the, let me see if I get this right, the Tokishun uh, Ona, the good future. This is my main topic. Because I think we have to realize that the future is not anymore about tomorrow. The future is here. I mean, especially today when we talk about climate change and decarbonization, artificial intelligence, it's like science fiction is getting real. Right? And the question that we have to ask ourselves, especially in this country, in this uh, beautiful place here, is what future do we want? Because, you know, the reality is we can probably have pretty much any future. You want to go to other planets? Yeah, it seems like we're going to be able to go. You want to upload your brain to the internet? Elon Musk will help you. So it's possible to have pretty much any future. And today, unfortunately, many people have this feeling about the future. The future isn't good. Especially when you ask children and kids, not just because of COVID, right? So there's COVID, of course. Then there's the robots. The robots will come and take our work, and then they will kill us. That's what Hollywood tells us. And so many, many kids, I have children, I don't know if you have children, but my kids are 25 and 30. And of course, I'm their father, so they know it a little bit better. You know? But many kids think like the future is not going to be good. There's too many problems. And we can't agree on anything. So I'm here to tell you today that I think, in fact, today we have this opening of new doors towards a new future. And then I really believe the future is better than we think. Starting with looking back at 1968. Some of you may have been around 1968. I was only seven. Yeah, so I didn't get to participate in the, uh, in the hippification of the world. But 1968 was a change of paradigm, right? Remember that? A real change of paradigm after the roaring 50s. And now we have this, right? 2021, the change of paradigm. The shaking up of the world, literally, lockdown, quarantines. And now we're coming out of this, and here's the thing that's happening as we're coming out of this. There's a rebound coming, okay? We're going to live with COVID for quite some time, with the masks and the vaccinations. But there's a bit of a rebound that you can feel now. And the COVID crisis is allowing us to reset. It's allowing us to think about the world in different things, in different ways. And when we look at the reset, it's really kind of saying, okay, we're not going to go back to normal. We're going back to restaurants, we're going back to flying maybe, we're going back here, right? But we're thinking different. The thinking has changed. And you know what the thinking is? We have to be prepared. We have to trust in science. We have to collaborate. Right? And we can only solve our problems together on a global level. So we're entering this kind of really strange golden era 
like after World War II, but totally confusing. So we're resetting energy, we're resetting healthcare, we're resetting geopolitics. This is all happening now in the next 10 years. The next 10 years will bring more change than the previous 100 years. Not just because of technology, because it's just the time when everything comes together. Uh, and that's going to be a wild experience as the world that we know it is kind of being shaken up. Think about the shakeup, right? Tourism, total shakeup. Airlines, total shakeup. Economics, gas and oil industry, banking. I mean, I was in the music business. There was a complete shakeup in the music business. People stopped buying records and download for free on the internet. And now, what do we have? A renaissance. Do you know how many people are paying for music now? Ten years ago, everybody said nobody's going to pay for music. Today, 160 million people pay 10 euros a month for Spotify and Apple and many. You know, that's like. That's getting close to the original revenue of the music business. Mind-boggling change. But here's something that we have to remember. Business as usual isn't coming back. It's dead or dying. If you think that whatever your industry is going to be the same in 10 years, that is really, really, really unlikely. <laughs> 10 years ago, I sold research reports. I would write an intellectual uh, property, right? and I would sell it for 10,000 euros a copy. And we sold them. Today, if you want research, you go to Google Trends. Or you go to IBM Watson, and you ask, what's the future of the Basque country? IBM Watson can give you an answer, based on logic. The car industry. 10 years ago, I would buy a car, it would be 150,000 euros for a fancy car, three years later, worth 50,000. Right? Today, the future of the car is not to have a car. Right? To share it, to lease it, to rent it, to subscribe. Very soon we're going to have a subscription for cars like Spotify. Porsche and BMW are already working on this. So you pay a monthly fee and you can, you can go get any car you want, including a scooter or maybe a helicopter. Think about what that would mean for the car industry. So don't expect the future to be the same, it isn't. We're leaping into the future exponential with exponential uh, pace and speed. And this is why we have to define good. What is a good future? Most of you would agree that good means not starving, personal freedom, right to have a family, self-expression, basic stuff, right? Not two houses or a car or, you know, basic stuff. So I made a movie about this, and I, in the process of making the movie in beautiful Lanzarote, Spain, maybe next time I'll make it in the Basque country. It's called The Good Future, and you can watch it on uh, thegoodfuturefilm.com. But three points came out of this. First, three tickets to the future, and three tickets, I think, to the Basque future as well. First, digitization, technology. Well, that's obvious, right? This is an old hat, right? But obvious, but still a lot of work. The second one, total decarbonization. Getting out of the fossil fuel industry, we're talking about a hundred year history here, right? The fossil fuel history. We're talking about, about $50 trillion worth of sunk costs. This is, the big, this is the biggest thing in our lifetime as we're shifting to renewable energy. The other one is reformation. We're gonna have to rethink what kind of logic do we want? 
Even the richest person on the planet, which would be Elon Musk, can't live in peace when everything else is going to pieces. If we have system collapse because of the environment or because of social unrest, you can make as much money as you want. Won't matter, unless you can go to Mars, yeah? which I think Elon wants to do. So, reformation, let's talk about technology digitization. So, to start this off, the first one is really we are entering the age of science fiction. I mean, not only get I, I, I get music on the internet anytime I want, I make free phone calls, I call a taxi with my app, right? I buy food on the internet. Right? It's basically all the stuff like Amazon, for example, has now a robot. It's selling already in the US with a tablet on top that acts kind of like a babysitter. Right? You probably wouldn't buy that, and I live in Switzerland, we probably wouldn't buy it, but uh, robots are everywhere now, serving people. Zuckerberg from Facebook just launched a virtual reality room right, called the VR Work, where you're inside of the work, and not, this is not Zoom, right? this is like Zoom times 1,000. Right? Let me zoom in a little bit. You can hold virtual meetings in there with an avatar. Imagine what would happen if that becomes normal. Would that be good or bad? And would Facebook then really own the world? The bottom line is we're in the phase of exponential change. And the funny thing about exponential is if you're counting one, two, three linear, it's almost the same than one, two, four. But after four, it's a real takeoff. We're here now, right? We're clearly, whoop, no clicker, okay, fine. Uh, we're at that point where it takes off completely into a new world. If you take 30 steps linearly, right, you get to 30, you get outside the room. 30 steps exponential, 26 times around the world. So as we're sitting here today, we're at four. 18 months, Moore's law, Metcalfe's law, roughly, eight. 16, 32, 64, 128, and so on. 256 in 10 years. So our world is going to be 80x as far as today. Your kids in 20 years, the world is one billion x. Hard to imagine. So, this is what we have to do. We have to enjoy the present. We have to respect the past. And we have to imagine the future. If you cannot imagine the future, the future will hit you flat before you know it because the future isn't far away. The future isn't science fiction. Look at this curve, right? We're living in the biggest time of technological innovation in the history of mankind. I mean, all the stuff, robotics, genome sequencing. I mean, I could fill the whole room by just putting a note on each, t on each seat of all the things that are happening. And look at this chart. Right? It's basically showing us that everything with technology is becoming cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Right? The great cost reduction. Genome sequencing, to have your genome done, was a million dollars, went to $100,000. Now it's $800. Very soon it'll be $50 and $10. And in 10 years, I can do it on my wristwatch in 10 seconds before I have a date to make sure that we're compatible. Sounds like science fiction? No. All that stuff, this is driving all of our progress. And sometimes too much. The iPhone I have here, right? This is the latest iPhone. Has more computing power than the machines that brought Americans to the moon. And it's not that long ago. Imagine in 10 years, this machine has the power of essentially any mainframe computer in any facility in the world. In the cloud, of course. 
So here, for example, is 3D printing. We talked about 3D printing for a long time. This is in Austin, Texas. This entire house is printed in two days with a giant machine. It's quite commonplace, by the way, in China. Is it ugly? Yes, it's ugly. Right? But it's a house, right? We think about that for a second. And this concrete is a recyclable. I mean, if you're in the construction business in this country, right, you've got to think about that. You're going to buy a 3D printer and not actually have a person making the walls. Right? I mean, we're moving into the future where basically it is the framework of our lives that's changing. Alvin Toffler, one of my favorite futurists, uh, he talked about this a lot in a book called Future Shock. And now we're getting a future shock every day, basically. All we have to do is open the web browser. <laughs> so here we have, you know, big data, cloud computing, all the things that you know about, I call them the game changers. And they're all coming together. So it's not just that I have faster computers or more data, it's all of those things. Let me give you some examples. First, data is the new oil. You probably heard this 20 years ago, right? but the power of the world is data today. And that's not new, but it's extreme now. Who's the most powerful person in the world? It's not the president of any country, it's Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg, 3.4 billion users. Right? He runs the world. He, he has more data than the NSA. Or maybe the NSA has his data, I don't know. But data in cloud, the Internet of Things, right, right along with this, artificial intelligence, I'll explain in a second, is the new electricity, the power. Because you can have as much data as you want. A human cannot possibly go through all the trillion data in a, in a second. Right? But a machine can. And let's make no mistake about this. These machines are as dumb as a toaster, as far as humans are concerned. They're not intelligent. They're essentially what I call intelligent assistants, like Google Maps. You guys all use Google Maps. But if you use Google Maps here in Bilbao, where your home is maybe, you question it, right? You said, no, no, it can't be true. Yeah. It's not human. It's, it's good, but it's not human. But this is happening everywhere. And the other thing is that voice control is now becoming normal. Very soon we won't be typing. I'll just say to my computer, hey, please, do this for me. I went to see IBM Watson the other day, before the pandemic, and I sat in the chair and I spoke to the machine. I said, what's the future of Switzerland? And he was speaking to me in a voice. I could pick a voice. I choose uh, Tom Cruise's voice. You know? He spoke to me in Tom Cruise's voice. Right? Voice control is coming. And virtual reality. I mean, Apple is working on this. Everybody's working on this very soon. We can see here in the regular glasses all of your little social media posts on top of your face, right? That would be a terrible idea. <laughs> anyway, that's going to come. And here's the main thing about this, right? How are we going to stay human? You know, humans are not machines. They believe that humans are machines. Yuval Harari says, Homo Deus, you may have read his book, organisms are algorithms. Everything you feel is a consequence of a scientific reaction. I doubt it. I'm not religious or anything, I'm just saying that seems unlikely to me, because humans really are all about relationships and feelings and emotions. So the more we connect, the more we have to protect what makes us human. 
Because if we don't, we're going to end up in a place where the machine is simulating everything. Your husband, your wife, your work, your cloud, your music. Right? Netflix tells you what to watch, and some other app tells you who to marry. That, that's not far-fetched. Right? There's a, an app in India called the betterhalf.ai that does exactly this. Arranges a marriage through an AI. So, as we go into that future, we're going to the future where everything is getting connected. Transportation, cruise ships, robots. So when we look there, we have to say, well, for example, healthcare. Connected healthcare, I mean, you guys are very busy in healthcare in this country. Healthcare is converging with technology. I mean, think about that for a second. If you take a cholesterol pill, a statin, or a blood pressure pill, most people do, that's like 400,000, 400 million people. The future is technology analyzing, regulating, changing your lifestyle, using remote telemedicine. Look at the growth curve here. This is the next big thing right, for healthcare. And clearly, that's, that's the principle of technology, right? exponential and converging. And no matter what you, what you think about protecting your turf, industries are converging. Everything is converging with technology. Pretty much everything. And there again, how are we going to make sure our healthcare data is protected? Would you put your DNA in the cloud if the company can use it to generate some other experiment? No. So there has to be a balance, right? That's, that's what governments are for, of course. So, Ultimately, this chart shows you everything that's happening in this convergence already. So less invasive diagnostics, patient-facing mobile apps, and it's a whole slew of things. Total reinvention of healthcare, pharma, medical, in the next 10 years. That's a gigantic opportunity, and now, of course, with the pandemic, it's being turbo-driven. Lots of money going into the sector. Five multi-trillion dollar innovation platforms all around us, the blockchain, immunotherapy, genome sequencing, 3D printing. Many of the sectors that you guys are working on, they're in this turf, right? And this is now all taken off because we're now in this huge segment of change. And the fourth industrial revolution. I mean, uh, here you have many uh, businesses in the area of mechanical computing and engineering and so on and so on, and machine, metal machines and so on. And now we're moving to the next level the industry 4.0, and of course, even more important, industry 5.0, which is using intelligent machines, AI. So very, very big change here that's coming. Let's move to part two, decarbonization, which means not to use fossil fuels. <laughs> and this, of course, is now vastly influenced by the discussions in Glasgow, but COVID-19 is essentially a test run for climate change. All the stuff we have to do and had to do, that we hate to do, and we got used to now, right? just wait for climate change times 100x. The good news, of course, climate change and decarbonization is a business, right? to change that, to change how we use energy. But this is really what's happening. People are now willing, looking at this chart, the upper part of this, oh, not giving me this, the red line, is we're making a lot more money. We're being more efficient. There's more money in the market, but the natural capital, the blue line, dying. 
How much more money do we need to make to figure out that we're essentially bankrupting ourselves in 30 years? And this is not propaganda anymore. Everybody knows this. So we're making lots of money, but it's going in the wrong places. So really what's happening here is that with this idea, for example, of ESG investing, right? environmental, sustainable, governmental investing, has to be turned upside down. It's not actually doing much to help that problem. Right? It's doing a little bit something. But let's be real, right? if we want to really do something, we have to fund primary markets in those places. Fund things that really turn things around. So here's our problem. Profit and growth, it's a good thing, right? But too much of it has brought us here. Right? Dramatic increase of CO2. And now, of course, all the Asian countries want to do the same, and we can't tell them not to. It doesn't matter what you do here in overall proportions. It does matter, but climate anxiety. Kids are freaking out, right? Sad, afraid, anxious, angry. And here on this agenda from the World Economic Forum, Global Risk Report, all of the major concerns around the world have to do with climate and pollution. All of them, all the green ones here. That's what we've done with our focus only on one thing, the Milton Friedman agenda. Right? And I'm not against profit and growth, of course. And we have to have growth. You know, I, I don't think we can have a degrowth agenda. <laughs> but if you look at this chart, 40 years from now, if it goes on like this, three and a half degrees global warming, the entire medium, middle part of the world will be uninhabitable. We're talking between, between 500 million to 800 million climate refugees. And guess where they're coming? to Spain. Spain is a pretty light spot for the climate change. <laughs> and of course, to where I live in Switzerland as well. They're all moving north. I mean, think about that for a second. And then we have the other scale, the positive scale. It's getting more and more expensive to bring the oil and gas out. Look at the cost of oil and gas. That's why we have the crisis right now. As opposed to renewable energy, which is getting cheaper and cheaper to make. So bottom line is this, the grave. Just kidding. It's the end of oil and gas as we know it. It's coming. And we talked about that for a long time. And now it's quite clear, yes, well, it's the end doesn't mean next year or five years, but it doesn't mean 50 years. My estimate is eight to 10 years right, until it becomes basically no longer a business. So sustainable, everything is no longer just a sort of sport or an ideology, right? it's our business plan. Let's not forget this for a second. Right? It's just not about a green agenda or any of those things as it was 10 years ago. It's not even about survival, it's a business plan. Right? That also covers our survival, of course. Right? So this revolution is here. And no matter what you think about Glasgow and it's kind of depressing, you know, pessimistic view that not much real big deals are, are being announced quite yet, right? this curve, Big blue, technology, not IBM, right? and big green, that's the ticket. That's the ticket for the region, too. That's what everybody's going to invest in, that's what everybody's going to want. There's a warp drive effect of this as we move into the future. For example, climate tech, Larry Fink, the biggest investor in the world from BlackRock, said the next 100 unicorns, billion-dollar companies, will all be in climate tech. 
Look at the curve here. It's all here. At, uh, two to five years, five to ten years. It's all happening right now. This is the bottom line. Green is the new digital. Don't be chasing just digital transformation. Right? This is now actually together with big blue, big green is the next big thing that's happening. Vertical farming, vastly expensive. Right now, this is the future. Every city in the world will have a high rise without the woman, yeah, with just robots, and the meat will be done in a lab. I know it sounds crazy. Cultured meat, Bill Gates has invested, Richard Benson has invested, novel vegan meat replacement. I tasted it three years ago at a food exhibit, and it tasted fine. I mean, I'm not a meat lover, but the future is going to be vegetarian. I mean, vegetarian in the sense of the meat is not from a cow, but it's from a, a farm that is grown in a lab. Oh, it sounds crazy, huh? but this is happening. So. Here's the chart I got from the organizers about the business that's happening right here in the Basque Country. You see here, road vehicles, iron, steel, you know, you're familiar with those stats. Now we take those two points, digitization, that's complete change of every piece of this food chain. And the second one, decarbonization. Anything you do with the car, huge shift coming up. Do you need clutches, machines, transmissions for electric cars? You don't. That's software. Tens of thousands of Germans are unemployed as a result because they used to make transmissions and clutches. And now this is going to become vastly overshadowing everything. It's time to make that shift now and to lead the industry there. So I'll have to skip this part because I'm, I'm running a little bit short here, so I'm going to skip ahead a little bit on my four slides later. I'll share the slides with you later so you can take a look. But basically what's happening now is that we're reforming what we want to do, period. Okay, reforming also the economic thinking. And of course in Europe we've for a long time had this kind of you know, social capitalism. And now this question is here, we are at a fork in the road moment. Buckminster Fuller, famous futurist, said that 60 years ago, but we're finally there. The next 10 years will decide our future, period. With climate change, with technology, with governance, with capitalism, equality. Of course, the really big deal with that is this, right? Is technology. Technology can be a gift, I'm sure we agree, but we use it too much, it can be a bomb. It's like alcohol, cigarettes, eating, right? You ever heard of digital obesity, to be digitally fat? Right? So you eat too much information, you explode. This is what happens with kids on Instagram. Girls look at all these fancy girls all around the world and they feel depressed about themselves. I mean, this, this is real, right? So at this moment, we are right here, and Mark Zuckerberg, in his last show, tells us about this thing he calls the metaverse, which is a virtual environment for working. You've got to watch it on YouTube. It's, it's so funny that you would... I mean, if you live in Europe, you're looking at this and saying, oh, this guy's from the moon or from Mars or, you know, even alien of a sort, right? So, um, that is the dehumanization of technology, right? When we use it too much, it's toxic. Facebook, for example, has gone from being a good tool to being essentially a poison. 
And this is the kind of thing that we have to keep in mind as this effect is a domino effect, right? We're moving into the future and looking at this, okay, first COVID, then climate change, and then the economic logic. And you have to be a leader in all three to have a good future, to think about where we're going, what we want from this, because stuff like this, the carbon tax, you know, nobody likes taxes, let's be fair, right? We're gonna have carbon tax for flying every time we get on the airplane, for eating meat, never mind for having a car, everything. And we're gonna raise hundreds of trillions with a corporate tax that has just been approved by the G20 and this to address our most urgent problems. And this is coming. It's a huge struggle, but basically this idea of what was once unthinkable, right, was unthinkable that you would sit there with your mask on or, or wash your hands every two minutes, or, and now it's normal. Unthinkable is the new normal. So we better think a little bit quicker about the future as these new paradigms are happening. We're shifting from this idea of profit and growth as the only thing that matters to this new paradigm. Right? People, whoops, sorry, <laughs> a little bit too fast here on this one. People, planet, purpose, and prosperity. Right? A shift to a new world. That's our ticket to the future. And now there are stock markets that have worked this already. And we're moving to a world where lots of discussions are happening, like the, the Pandora Papers and the Business Roundtable discussions. And you know, everybody's saying we should have a larger story than just monetizing, because right? it's not working. I mean, let's be honest. I think capitalism as we know it is unfit for the future. Because the future has other challenges. We have to adapt it to be, as Al Gore once said, sustainable capitalism. Maybe that's an oxymoron, I don't know. <laughs> but basically, this is the ticket for us. First, collaboration. I know this country is very heavy on international collaboration. That is the ticket. Multilateralism, collaboration, solving problems together. And this is the ticket for us in general, of course. I know this is a really tough thing for many of us, especially for a Swiss guy. You know, I'm Swiss and German. The United States of Europe. This is what we're becoming. Is it ideal? No. Is it a ticket? Absolutely. It is the collaboration that's going to make us strong between the US and China, because let's face the other reality that we have is this. Right? We are, here we are, the collective Europeans, the social capitalists. They are the Americans and the Chinese. Well, I'm not going to talk about China. That would take the rest of the day. Right? Leave that to the next panel. So, and the other thing that's happening, great news for all women in the room, women are taking over. I really do believe that what we're looking at in the future, these are already the countries that have women leaders. New Zealand, Taiwan, Nepal, Sweden, Germany now, the second in command, likely to be a woman, until uh, second command in the US takes over. It's happening everywhere. So the bottom line is this, we have to now think a little bit further as we think about technology with something called ethics, right? Technology drives our lives, but ethics defines it. Our values, not religion, that's different. Right? Our values, our ethics, and ethics is knowing the difference between what you have the right to do and the power to do and what is the right thing to do. Thinking again about Facebook, right? he has every right to do what he's doing with, with the data that you give him. Right? It's not criminal, but it's unethical. 
And this is something we have to keep an eye on. It may not be criminally wrong. We may be entitled, but it's still wrong. Right? And that is the future that we have to think about. Because here's the thing about technology. Technology doesn't have ethics. It doesn't care what your concerns are, what you, what you tried to say, what you meant to say, what you're feeling. Algorithms know the logic of everything, but the feeling of nothing. We don't want our lives to be run by algorithms. They will never understand what it means to be human. They can tell us the way on Google Maps or what to buy. It's a very important point. So I'm going to wrap up now because I think I'm a little bit over time already. So what now? When you listen to a futurist, this is always the question. That's been nice, but you know, what do we do now? First, we need to look at the future in a positive way. Uh, Buckminster Fuller once said, as we see the future, so we act. As we act, so we become. You think of the future as being bad, it will turn out bad for you. It's like a relationship. You look at your husband and say, oh, no, it's going to turn out bad. It, it will become bad, right? It is the thing that we think about it. And then we have to stop asking the stupid question, what will the future bring? The future isn't fixed. The future isn't made in Silicon Valley or in China. We make the future. Every day we decide on something, we create the future. This is the real question we have to ask. What kind of future do we want for our children? For ourselves, for our grandchildren, for our country? Because we can have different futures. We have to make choices. And let's stop looking at the past. The past is interesting. I study it a lot. But in Europe, we're obsessed with the thing about saying it has to be like it was. No, it's not. There is no chance anywhere for the future to be like it is today. It's not. We have to make the future a priority. The future is no longer about tomorrow. It's not a time frame. It's a mindset. And, you know, I've looked around here in the Basque country. There's quite a few places that, that say that they, they anticipate the future. I think this is the right strategy. Like this one, I can't pronounce it, Gipuscoa. Found that by Googling the future in Basque country, it was quite interesting diversion. So, the future mindset is this. We live in a very complex world. It's not going to change. We're not going back to a simple world. We're not going back. No, we're not. And we're not going to go back to a world without technology. So, we need a future mindset. That's the future mindset. Pay attention. <laughs> it's like, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? This is not reading a research report. This is like really under paying attention and understanding. Jeff Bezos, the most successful businessman ever, really, in terms of e-commerce, right? He said he reads everything, he does focus group studies. In the end, he decides with his guts, imagination, and intuition. That's what we do because we're human, right? We're not machines. And that is a very big difference. So three points on the future mindset that I mentioned earlier, that's the one to focus on. So Bill Gates says five-hour rule a week. I say seven-hour rule, one hour in the future every day. Reading books, mostly. Getting tuned up. I, I guarantee you, you spend 45 minutes to an hour every day on things that are not already here. You'll be vastly ahead in two years. And your job and your family and your life will benefit from it. David Bowie, one of the wisest men around 
in the music business and also in technology, he said this, the future belongs to those that can hear it coming. And this is really something that you have to do right here, especially as a small era and a small place. Thinking internationally, right? The future belongs to those that can hear it coming. A final quote from my book. Today, our biggest problem is not that machines are taken over. That could be a problem in 20 or 30 years. Different story. Today, our biggest problem is that we become too much like them. We think of the customer as a machine, ourselves as a machine. Right? So my last word on this is that we should embrace technology, but not become technology. Thanks very much, and I wish you a good future. Luce Eta Obaro Bizi. This is Gerd Leonhard, Futurist. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out my videos at gertube.com on YouTube.